0: The Tangentic Podcast is aimed at a mature audience. It contains themes that are not appropriate for all listeners. It's important to note that we are not experts. We routinely have no idea what we're talking about and are just three idiots
1: sitting around a table. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Tangentic Podcast. This is a bonus episode. Give me an extra one this week. I'm Seth and I'm here with John Doe and Swoosh as always. Hi. G'day, g'day. But today, we're doing this bonus episode because we've got a special guest on. We've got the editor of New Age Sword and Sorcery, Oliver, here talking to us today. Hello. (laughs) Welcome onto the show, (laughs) man. Um, We we got contacted by you uh, a little while ago, and we were very interested in having you on when we found out that the New Age Sword and Sorcery magazine that you're producing is a... Collection of different authors doing short stories. Uh we here at the Temple Genetic Podcast read an awful lot of books. So anyone supporting authors is absolutely someone we we absolutely love.
0: (laughs) Especially indie authors. I love the stuff that pops out of that kind of stuff.
1: Exactly, yeah. So uh would you like to take it away?
2: Well, as you learn to your detriment, perhaps, before we start recording, I will go on. So by any point, uh, cut in if you want. Um, but yes, yes, my name is Oliver Brackenbury. I'm the editor, sort of captain of the ship of New Edge Sword and Sorcery magazine, which uh, you can go to newedgeswordandsorcery.com after this, if you're like, what did you say? Uh, and you can <laughs> reread about it again. Um, yeah, I'm an author, podcaster, a trained screenwriter as well. Um, and now I'm taking my crack at this. Um, I have not done a magazine before, but I have made a point of uh, surrounding myself with talent who are familiar with it. Uh, My layout and design guy is a guy named Nathan Webb, who unfortunately couldn't join us today, but he's the editor of Wingraph Cozy Fantasy Magazine and uh, Raquel Tales of Swashbuckling Adventure Magazine. I probably buggered Mm -hmm. the tagline on that, but you get the idea. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm a huge, huge, huge uh, evangelist of sword and sorcery as a genre, and part of the reason for this magazine is to help push new sword and sorcery authors and to try and increase the size of the audience, the diversity of the audience, uh, and also diversity of creators by lifting up people who are, frankly, not me—you know, a white cis het boy talking over here—nothing wrong with that. Some of my best friends, etc. But I just, you know, I would like a greater variety. Uh, stories being told out there think about how fun it was when you you know you went out to see black panther and you're like oh yeah you know when martin freeman wasn't on the on the screen oh you know, this is a bit different i like this you know yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but you could still go see spider-man i'm not taking away the, the other stuff from you uh and so yeah i have uh, been working really hard the last couple of months uh with people i've met through the sword and sorcery literature scene Uh, to put together a magazine which will feature six original short stories by as many authors each one featuring um, original black and white illustrations on the inside Mm -hmm. with each story as well as an original painted cover I got so lucky an artist named Gilead was like I want to help with this thing I believe in it and I was like my budget is zero dollars and he went that's fine Um, so (laughs) god bless him Um, and uh, also a variety of uh, sorry I forget the exact number off the top of my head five or six uh, non-fiction articles will go in the back future will probably only have three but for this first one i got lucky and crammed a whole bunch in there talking about the history of sword and sorcery because you know it's new edge it's going forward right but we're not burning the what came before I, mm. I think that's a false choice when people think you have to choose between the old and the new stories i say learn from the old stories and then you know if there's some grotty old attitudes in there leave that behind but bring forward the good stuff like in this case you know uh, an interesting eye towards a uh, historical secondary worlds uh, you know jazz that with a bit of dark and dangerous weird magic uh a bit of crafty and horror sort of more working class ground up perspective uh outsider protagonists you know that kind of cool stuff bring that forwardly behind you know the 1930s ideas about who's human mm. uh and then tell some new exciting tales uh, and so yeah yeah you'll learn a bit about the past uh through our profiles of uh, classic authors in the 20th century but also yeah, right. uh read about you know the possibilities of what can be done in the genre going forward uh, as explained by a variety of very smart people who i brought on board i've been lucky to work with if hmm, nothing else is
0: going to explode my two-read pile, it's
1: going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, pile yeah, yeah. No, 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 The pile is already shamefully Yeah, yeah, well, actually... Are we really the kind of people who have a problem with the two-read pile getting bigger? Well, it's hard to-read to judge now right, because my I two-read mean, pile is digital. Like, it's, I, I can't see the pile now
0: physically, <laughs> so it's no longer a threat to crush me in my sleep. So I just keep adding to it. It's fine.
2: It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a to read pile. I left that behind years ago. I've got to read shelves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm slowly yeah. working through. Yeah.
3: My <laughs> to read pile is somewhere next but to my part t- of the- play pile and to watch pile. That's they're all way yeah. too big to like, ever get a chance to go through. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. One of these days, I'm going to get crushed like one of the Collier brothers, those famous hoarders who died under a pile of old newspapers they couldn't get rid of. But, uh, yeah. but you know what? I mean, that's part of uh, one of the strengths of sword and sorcery. You know, I've got nothing against the 500, 600 page phone books and the trilogies, quadrilogies, and so on. But you know, if you want to break from that, this is a great genre because it is a genre born out of the uh, short fiction, weird pulp magazines of the 1930s. Mm. And so, you yeah, know, absolutely, there are novels, and there's the odd sword and sorcery Ooh. book that's quite long because there's exceptions to every broad statement. By and large, though, you're going to get uh, in this magazine tight five to ten thousand word short stories and really? you know there might be a lot of stories about a character like the most classic sword source you guy all well, conan right lots of conan right. stories you can pick up any conan story in any order and enjoy it if you want more yeah. go out and get more if you think oh that's all right i want to go try out some other heroes you're fine because you're not locked in for 400 more pages to know what the hell happens you've got a complete Wait. tale nice so.
0: self-contained complete stories are great just to like it's a break between series. I always use them essentially as a palate cleanser. Like I want something that's just gonna be like quick, punchy, and just complete. I'm not gonna have to sit there forever. Just reset everything
2: well reset or you know and this is one thing i love and i'm trying to do with my own novel i'm working on which is a collection of 17 sort of short stories but they're stitched together so it's like you can leap in anywhere but if you read them in order you'll get rewarded for it kind of thing uh you know i think about uh michael moorcock who's still with us bless him and has a new elric book out very soon His, his character elric is kind of one of the big ones uh you know when people talk about the history of the genre And the Elric stories uh, were written in this style where you could just pick up any chapter practically uh, as a story unto itself or, you know, a story made up a couple -hmm. of short chapters, um, read it on its own. But if you read more and more and more of them, you start to see the continuity changes ever so slightly, but in a way that you can immediately know what's going on. So it's like his Mm -hmm. circumstances might change and therefore you read another story and his circumstances are different. But... That's fine. You just go, oh, okay. He's, uh, you know, I read one story. He's an emperor who's kind of wondering, oh, do I need to uh, leave my people because they all love torture and evil and stuff. And is that bad? Uh, and then you might read another story later where it's like, years later, he's, you know, he's blown up the city that is, uh, sorry, spoilers, I guess, whatever. It's at all, Uh, You know, you might read a story that uh, is like, years later, you know, he's blown up the island his people are on and he's wandering uh, the wastelands and now he's figuring out what to do here. And it's like, you get that in one sentence. It's, oh, okay, that's where yeah. we're at. Cool, whatever. And you, and you go on. There's not... Um, like a glossary of 10,000 names that you need to go to refer to uh, Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Certainly, if there's one thing, like, I mean, people make them for everything, so I'm sure there are wikis for just about every sword and sorcery uh, long-running character, but you don't have to refer to them to get what the hell's going on. And so Mm -hmm. it's this kind of thing where I guess, I might come back to this a couple of times in our chat, but I feel like there's a lot of false binaries, you know, false choices people set themselves up for. And like the one I mentioned earlier about, you know, old stories and new stories, read all the stories, Uh, you know, and the same thing of like, oh, well, it it has to be a total standalone or it has to be a mega saga. And it's like both of those things are fine if you like them, but you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can kind of have a mega saga that is written carefully so that you can pick up any slice of it and enjoy that on its own as a standalone. And I just think that is such a strength and so like cool and flexible from both a reading and a writing standpoint Mm. i just think that's really really fun and so like with my novel i'm doing i'm kind of simulating as if i've had a 40-year career and now i'm stitching the stories together into a novel right (laughs) Uh, i'm trying to leap ahead in a way uh and so i am writing it with a beginning middle and an end kind of thing but yeah yeah anyway sorry i'm talking about my book i want to be talking about this magazine uh so (laughs)
0: At least we not stray um, too far from like literature, because that tends to happen occasionally.
2: Ah, uh, okay, okay. No, no. I mean, I'm happy to do so, but I, uh, I, I've moderated a lot of talks, and so my instinct is to keep like wrangling it back to the main subject. Uh, apologies bring, in advance. I uh,
0: generally the role I have to play on this one. It's somewhat needed.
1: Uh, so we're we're going to be looking at getting you know six stories, some non-fiction articles. This sounds frankly freaking cool because i remember when i was a lot younger uh when i was less patient to read i tended to actually read a lot of more pulp adventure and sword and sorcery uh so and as i've gotten older i found it harder to find uh interesting fiction within that genre unless i look for conglomerates big packs of stories anthologies and that kind of stuff so It sounds very interesting that that you're really trying to push this magazine that can start giving a bullhorn to this because it's, unless you're in the know or at least for someone like me who is very not, it's hard to find good Sword and Sorcery books to read.
2: Well, can I give a shout-out? Because, you know, I'm adding to something exciting that's happening. You know, Sword and Sorcery had its sort of initial golden age and birth in the 30s, right, with the weird magazines, Conan and... and, and, um, (laughs) Uh, Robert E. Howard and Lovecraft and, Hmm. uh, sorry, not Lovecraft, pardon me, he was a contemporary, but yeah, uh, Clark Ashton Smith, uh, C. L. Moore, and then it had like a big rebirth. It lasted quite a while it was sort of the 60s through 70s through early 80s at which point a little after the conan movie it kind of started to implode upon itself because yeah. it, stopped, it stopped being as innovative and uh, a lot of people just thought of it as like oh uh Sorcerer, that's the thing with like the big dumb guy in a fur diaper with a woman with a bare arse over his shoulder and it's like yeah. we want something different now uh fair yeah. it, it it didn't die entirely it went very dormant for a while but there were a few stalwarts including an author uh, i really uh, like and have had the privilege to get to know a bit howard andrew jones who kept the thing going up through the 2000s he actually coined the term new-edge sword and sorcery. That was his attempt with some other authors in the mid-2000s to kind of rebrand it a little bit because there was this difficulty uh, twofold. There was the difficulty that sword and sorcery had become a diluted term, a difficulty that I think is still there where we say it to a lot of people that it doesn't mean this this uh, sort of grounded historical uh, ground, you know, the thing I described a minute ago, uh, <laughs> it didn't mean that. It just meant literally anything fantasy. People, you know, especially because marketing kind of diluted it, right? You would see uh, Lord of the Rings called sword and sorcery. It bloody isn't. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Nothing wrong with Lord of the Ring. I'm just saying it's something else it's more like high fantasy with like a group of people mm. on a big quest that's not something you're generally going to find a sword and sorcery um, and so there was the dilution of the term and then there was also the unfortunate stigma that carried over from those 80s uh, bad movies mm. and books uh, and so people were just like oh it's kind of stinky if they even recognized it and so it was a little too early perhaps this attempt to get new edge sword and sorcery to take off then didn't uh, quite pan out. But then you fast forward to now, another 15 years go by, and there's a lot more going on in the genre. People have largely kind of forgotten those 80s uh, films, uh, certainly younger audiences have no clue. Um, yeah. And the dilution of the term is still kind of there. But then that's why you want to do things like this, where with Howard's Blessing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm using the term as the name of the magazine. Doesn't mean I'm the king of it. Doesn't mean I go around telling people what qualifies as New Edge or not, even if I wanted to i mean how would i do that uh it just it's kind of like fantasy and science fiction magazine they do not claim sovereignty over all the fantasy and science fiction by god uh <laughs> any more than i do with this so to me it's like um, new age sword and sorcery you know it is a certain kind of thing an expression of sword and sorcery uh, that's an attempt to take the genre forward i actually have a tweet length um description because i was like i'm gonna have to explain this a lot <laughs> so yeah no, no fair. so i just kind of still a bit down, about, down to the base proponents. Yeah, yeah. So if I may, uh, I will do a, a, sh- a, a literally a tweet-length read here. Um, so like I said, Sword and Sorcery, the classic thing across the whole uh, history of it. Um, I do recommend uh, Brian Murphy's Flame and Crimson, A History of Sword and Sorcery, by the way, if you want to learn about it, make your TBR pile explode. I think I just said that again. Sorry, listeners, I just woke up and chugged a mug of tea and got on the podcast. Um, and uh, the new edge thing is how I define it. New Edge Sword and Sorcery takes the genre's virtues of its outsider protagonists, thrilling energy, wondrous weirdness, and a large body of classic tales, then alloys in inclusivity, mutual creator support, a positive fan community, and enthusiastic promotion of new works into the mix." and. This is, I think, very important. You know, I'm not uh, going to be the only one doing this. You know, like, there are other great magazines out there. I want to give a shout out to quickly. Howard Andrew Jones edits Tales from the Magician's Skull, lovely magazine, beautiful, high quality paper and all that good stuff. Plus um, the stories are good. I sound like a backhanded compliment. The paper's nice. Uh, no, great, <laughs> great stories is a given. when if I'm bothering Thanks to mention the them? Yeah. Um,
1: exactly. you know, love, have books know. with some yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible <laughs> backing on them who fall apart It yeah. really ruins reading a novel. So there's <laughs> a reason to have some good paper.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, good stories are Let's just make that clear. Um, but, yeah, it's actually published by a role-playing game company called Goodman Games. And so there's this fun uh, thing at the back yeah. of the magazine where you can get, like, uh, D&D-style t- statistics for the monsters and shit that you saw in the oh. stories, which I think is a fun uh, little twist. Cool. Um, but, that's yeah, nice, so they're, like, a awesome. high-quality... Uh, you know, in the vein of the old Pulps kind of style magazine, great stuff, rollicking adventure, Um PG-13 by and large, so good for getting young ones into it. And then there's another one I would mention called Whetstone magazine, amateur magazine of Sword and Sorcery. It's free, everybody, if you want to go check out Whetstone. It's a great place to try out new authors. It's a great place for new authors to try it out. They have a, a tight word count, 2,500 word roof, and it's just a great way for either experienced authors to just have a bit of a fuck about, uh, you know, try right. something different, why not, in a low-stakes environment, or for people who want to try and get published in the genre to give it a whirl. The editors are wonderful people. Um, and the third one I mentioned is a brand new one, actually. It just uh, started recently. They've just taken a, opened the call of submissions for issue two called Old yes. Moon Quarterly, uh, with a bit more of a focus on the weird, as far as I can tell. I'm waiting to get my issue mm. one in the mail. so I'll, I'll, I'll I like more that later. name. That's, Old yeah. Moon Quarterly.
0: That's a great name, actually. Old Moon Quarterly. I quite like that
2: yeah 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 no, so those are three other magazines, so my point in mentioning them, uh aside from just giving a shout, out, remember what I just said you know endorsing your fellow creators, right it's part of the, the whole thing to me the the new edge sort of movement if you want to call it that, um which again, I have no control over just the magazine that's my domain uh yeah, it's so so they're they're doing great stuff I'm not in inventing I'm adding uh, I'd like to mm-hmm. say, and also certainly like I say one of the one things that sets the magazine apart uh by and large. I would say, uh, well, it's going to be released in all three formats. You're going to get EPUB because I want it to be accessible to everybody, including those who don't have a lot of money to throw around. And in issue zero, mm-hmm. EPUB will be free. So there's no excuse. If you want to check it out, <laughs> grab yeah, grab a Six stories EPUB. for free.
0: That's pretty good. I like that.
2: Yeah, six stories, a <laughs> uh, bunch of art, a bunch of non-fiction articles about the genre, its history, its future. Yeah, I think that's pretty okay. Oh, um, you can still uh, read it. I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't like ePub. I don't like reading on screens any more than I have to. I do it all day at my job or whatever. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at sometimes. Uh, it's hmm. going to be released in soft cover and hardcover
1: at cost.
2: At cost, and I've got to look up the numbers, I'm sorry, but at cost, you know, means exactly to the penny what it costs to produce. So, I mean, it's going to be as low as humanly possible without taking a loss. we will be doing that for Amazon print on demand. uh, And then uh, in future issues, well, we're going to see how it gets printed in the future. Uh, The hope is to use issue zero as a way of kind of getting everybody to check it out, you know, build a bit of hype. Uh, That will come out sometime in September. I don't want to be more specific because it's more important to me to make it good than to have it come out on the first. Right. Uh, if fair it's going to be, fair. yeah, if it's, it's going to be October 1st, fuck it. But I mean, you know, September's the goal. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, I'm going to be pushing that as hard as I can, like I'm doing right now, uh, to build hype and uh, build our mailing list, which will go out, you yeah, know, list, oh, I don't want to get more email. Don't worry. It's going to be precisely three emails in 12 months. And when well, the third one might not even happen. It's going to be one email saying issue zero is <laughs> coming out. It's going to be a second email saying, hey, guess what? There's a crowdfunder for the issues one and two, do you want to get in on that? And then there's going to be a third email, assuming the crowdfunding succeeds, which I think it will, but, you know, uh, saying, hey, guess what? The crowdfunding succeeded. You can buy issues one and two now. Uh, so voila. Right. <laughs> and, and if we keep going, you know, it'll tell you about, you know, issues three and four. Um, so that's it. Don't worry about spam. or getting a weekly thing from a creator who's struggling to find something to say. Uh, we, I think mm-hmm. we've all been on newsletters that kind of read that way. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's going to be in those formats and the hardcover thing, certainly I think sets it apart. Uh, I like the idea of, um, a really nice artifact on your shelf, you know, and I know there are lots of people out there who like that you're, too. you speaking back- to the
1: goblin brain of me at the moment and I, I want,
0: I want that hardcover now. The, the minute you the, said
1: hardcover, it's like, God, I, I want that, that, that'll look so nice with all my other hardcover books and novels on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And it's going to be,
2: uh, you know, eight and, a half off, pardon me, eight and a half by 11, you know, nice big pages to show off the art Ooh. and same, And so it'll be nice big hardcover. And it's funny, you know, I got the inspiration, I hadn't ever thought about a hardcover magazine magazine, but I was visiting my folks and uh, I looked over and went, dad, what the hell are you doing with this? And I found he was using it as a mouse pad, uh, a magazine from 1968 <laughs> called horizon. And it was hardcover. And I was like, what is this hardcover watch and just over it up and looked through. And yeah, I was like, we got to do this. You know, we got to yeah. do this to make the magazine, you know, part hell of yeah. making it stand out. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> other things about the magazine. Oh.
0: Well, that first issue being a was a hand uh, painted um, front as well. So the uh...
2: The artwork you're
0: getting for that yep we can yeah
2: yeah yeah no it. i really dig that and and i i look forward to us going forward uh and not only um pushing boundaries with uh with, again within the sort of the tent posts of sword and sorcery mm-hmm. like this is yeah she's you back to something I, sh- I, I realized i said before we recorded and haven't said yet sword and sorcery one thing i really love about it is that you, is you you kind of know what it is once you get more familiar with the kind of the history right which is again another reason to check out the old stuff mm-hmm. um you read the contemporary stuff and you kind of go, oh, okay yeah actually i can kind of see uh, you know, like I could say, outside of protagonists, magic is dark and dangerous, and very rarely, if ever, has any kind of system to it. It is the fantastic. It's not like something mm. someone uses to turn on a light bulb slightly differently. Um, you know, uh, the characters tend to have personal and mercenary motivations. It's rare they're trying to save the kingdom. That's more heroic fantasy, right? Um, as I say, the sort of horror, Lovecraftian elements is you will read some great horror stories that happen to be sword and sorcery at the same time. Oh, and in yeah. fact, it is a great genre mm. for draping like a cape over other genres. Robert e. Howard, who created Conan, did that all the time he did Conan stories that were kind of pirate stories he did Conan stories that if you kind of lifted the lid you're like wait a minute this is like a cowboy frontier story he did a Conan story that was like a locked room mystery so again really flexible but you always know what it is um it's one sorcery can be so much and still be sword and sorcery god doesn't that get you excited to go and explore it it does me it makes me want to write it you know um as well uh and so um yeah 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 wonderful wonderful genre um and right. so you know new edge is just kind of like i say brings in the positivity kind of thing that i think we can always use more of like I say positive fan community i hardly need to tell you about how we could use more of those <laughs> 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 in general oh, yeah, um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the focus on, on mutual creative support, understanding that we're not crabs in a bucket. You know, we can all help lift each other mm-hmm. up and that's one of the best ways to get somewhere. And that goes back to the dawn of the bloody thing. You know, uh, all kinds of uh, sort of creators back in the thirties that have a huge voluminous, uh, you know, books of letters that they sent to each other that people still love to study to get a better idea of what their deal was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all, they're all lifting each other up, you know? Um, and then, yeah, and similarly the an enthusiastic, uh, pardon me, and similarly the enthusiastic promotion of new material, you know, I'm gonna be giving ad space to all kinds of people in the magazine. Uh, free ad space let me stress that um, who Sweet. I think I like your stuff I want more people to know about it even if I'm not having you in for a story in this issue maybe people can know about your book
3: uh, you know, well, it's always a the good thing it's,
0: if they grow then they will bring you up with them kind of thing it's if they benefit you benefit it keeps flowing around because they're not going to be uplifting and go, fuck this guy and then run away in most cases people are pretty decent it's like I came from here maybe check that out it has other people that you know coming up So
2: definitely helps. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, for for me, I mean, the only real lines are, I don't want to promote people who are harassers. I mean, we all know people who love to get up to that, those kind of shenanigans, or I disagree with someone, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll whip my Twitter following against them, bleh, who needs that. And uh, people who are hateful, which, I mean, sometimes people get very worried about that. that I say, oh, I don't want to promote hate. And they go, oh, well, what if uh, that's judgment? What if he judges me? I don't want to be judged. It's like, I get it. I get it. But hate's real easy to spot. Does this person Mm. espouse views that make it clear they think some humans are less than human because what kind of human they are? Yes, no. If yes, fuck off. If no, don't worry about it. Like, that's it. Easy peasy. You think it was simple? But again, gestures at world we live in. So, you know. (laughs) <laughs> the world when nazis came back that's no it's a bit weird yeah 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 we all grew up watching them get punched out by indiana jones or whatever and it's like hey guys we, we really were very clear about who the bad guys were for quite a while yeah. um but anyway <laughs> <laughs> you
1: you know, were you not clear where we melted
0: their faces was it not that
2: clear for you yeah where was the ambiguity yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> 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 exactly exactly. So I think those two sort of little you know caveats about including people mm. are pretty straightforward and easy and yeah. not a big deal and they help keep, keep things decent because if you want to expand things you want to get more people in well you can't have raging you know misogynists charge around doing their thing if you want more women to read you can't have mm. turfs charging around if you want to get trans people in there as creators and mm. readers and so on and so forth it just makes sense um and so that kind of brings me around to the thing that you know i mentioned earlier about how uh certainly with this magazine i want to be um very intentional about inclusivity and you know equity you know diversity all that kind of thing i appreciate these can be kind of buzzwords people throw around just to try and pat themselves on the back and make themselves look good or whatever um and so a lot of people wary of looking like they're patting themselves on the back will say well I, i'm not going to talk you know explicitly about it i'm just going to be cool, man. I'm just going to focus on good stories. Hmm. And I'm not going to be a shithead about you know what people submit to me, editor of a magazine, I guess, in this hypothetical scenario I'm drawing. And you know what? I totally get it. It's not a bad attitude. I've been there myself. But if there's one thing I learned uh, with my screenwriting experience, if I can tell a quick illustrative anecdote, um, it's Absolutely. that that only takes care of you. Yeah, that only takes care of your side of the equation. It uh, If you are, and you don't have to be, I'm not telling anyone, anybody what to do here, but if you are like me and you want to try and do your little bit that you can with your little bit of power in the world to effect some positive change in this regard, then you need to be more intentional because if you only say, you know, I'm going to just worry about good stories on my end, well, that's fine, that's good, that's one up from where you could be, but it doesn't take care uh, or try to adjust for the wildly uneven world out there from which the authors are coming to you to submit and mm-hmm. so it's this kind of thing where like sure you just focus on good stories but how many people out in the world have access to uh, the resources that can help them get to a place where they can tell good stories where they can feel welcome coming to your magazine not because you've done anything to make them feel unwelcome but because maybe the scene as a whole looks extremely white and male and straight and uh doesn't necessarily seem to be putting off any signals saying well hey everybody else get in here get in here. We, you know you're great mm-hmm. you might be thinking it in your head, but maybe you know there's, there's not a, a clear enough signals. Um, yeah, I, I've run into that. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier uh, before the recording. I've uh, spent the last half a dozen years volunteering as promotion for the world's largest, pardon me, the Western Hemisphere's, careful, Oliver, the Western <clears> Hemisphere's <throat> largest publicly accessible archive of speculative fiction, which has also greatly benefited my writing and, and uh, reading, as you can imagine. Um, and, you know, I've done events where I would I would put out a whole bunch of old used books and stuff uh, from decades past as a way of selling them for pennies to help you know, raise uh, funds for the organization. And I would have a, a woman come up, you know, of color and look at our stuff and go, I just see a bunch of white guys. It doesn't seem like this is for me. And I go, shit, yeah, you're right. You know, it doesn't look like that, does it? Um, so it really, you know, things like that kind of really made me think hard about it. And then I think over in the world of screenwriting, where, like, for the longest time, I'm going to be very fuzzy on the years here because that's not the point. Uh, for most of the history of film and television yeah for most of the most of the the history of of film and television if you read a screenplay and a character was introduced it'd be like you know in comes bobby age 36 hot but doesn't know it you know blah 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 and it gets into Mm. the story it it doesn't tell you that bobby's white because the default was white it would tell you if bobby was literally anything else and of course i don't think i need to explain why that's not great because then it means that like you know the default is white we just think of everybody being white all the movies are very white and it does and it's not very friendly to everybody else right and so you know about 10 years ago something like that you know a lot of people were saying this i'm not inventing this uh and a lot of people were going yeah maybe we should do something different um and so you've got a lot of people and i was in this camp for a while uh thinking okay you know what you're right that's a bad idea i'm going to be colorblind when i introduce my characters i'm not going to say who anybody is you know you just figure it out well and it's like okay sounds good and to I mean that's kind of the equivalent of uh roughly speaking no metaphor survives uh intense scrutiny uh but that's roughly the equivalent of saying i'm just going to worry about good stories uh, right? Because it's saying, I'm going to take, you know, I'm just going to be like, cool, man, no, no boundaries, whatever. Anybody come in. Sounds great. But the problem with the screenplays was that we still were operating in a culture, the world at large, outside of the writer writing that screenplay, where white was the default. And so it didn't really solve the problem. And you would still get kind of cues by the names that you would give characters anyway, right? Uh, Or people's inherent biases, which maybe they haven't examined as much as they should. You know, you might have a character who has a very, you know, generic, i.e. white North American sounding name, but they're a cleaner. And then the casting agent goes, well, I mean, this protagonist is obviously white and this cleaner is obviously, you know, Latinx or whatever. Um, So you, You've got to go further. You've got to accommodate for the world outside of the writer, outside of the magazine editor, and be intentional. And so in screenwriting, what, I, by and large, I'm seeing these days uh, for the last, oh, five years or so at least, um, is people naming everybody, including the white guys. Just be specific. That's it. And so in a similar vein, what I want to try and do with Nerdstore and Sorcery is uh, good stories are assumed. If you're in mm. the magazine, you're in the magazine mm. because I think you're you know, either a master of your craft, get on here and here, obvious what you've got to offer, or you're what you might call an emerging talent. And, you know, maybe you're not a master yet, but you've got to get there somehow. And you've got something about you that I think is really good. And I want to help you in the way I can through uh, publishing, promotion, and when we get to issues one and two and beyond, paying you, uh, mm-hmm. which is bloody important, obviously. Um, so so yeah absolutely you know i i am kind of the what was that old meme that was doing around a few years ago where people would go this is the future liberals want uh, and it would just be like a really <laughs> weird picture of someone wearing a unicorn costume riding a rocket or whatever yeah. i don't know it'd just be just like a weird mishmash of just stuff that actually when you think about it sounds kind of cool but it was supposed to be presented as a threat uh, <laughs> yeah. well, I, that, looks like, that looks like threaten me with a good time then okay <laughs> exactly exactly it would be awful if we could all pay for our health care and everybody was welcome it's like oh uh, okay bring it on oh, yeah, uh dreadful. in vein, it's terrible. Uh, veins
3: you know would be yeah. to get every education oh my god how terrible would the world be yeah, yeah. Of, uh,
0: can you imagine a world without lawyers <laughs>
2: <laughs> well there you go um and so in in that vein you know i was sitting down with a notebook because i'm already fantasizing about who i'm going to have for issues one and two obviously i mean i'm bringing back people from issue zero bless them because i like them and i like working with them Uh, i've done most of the stories which is why i say past tense um most of the stories are already into proofing um but also i was thinking about filling out the rest of the 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 roster and i thought well i want to be intentional about this i want to try and bring in as many people from as many different groups as i can so yeah literally i was sitting there going okay well all right we've got a queer author here we've got this author there and i thought about it and i was like shit, this is exactly what some people hate the idea of isn't it <laughs> mm, <laughs> but it's like yeah. but it's sincere because you know because it's still like again good author good story assumed it's not yeah. you know there's yeah. this nonsense people going about with the diversity hire or whatever you know it's not a substitute again where i said earlier about false choices false binaries you know it's <laughs> parallel it's another thing I'm considering mm. and I want to be you know, thinking about it intentionally so that I can make sure that I don't fall, uh, ask backwards, uh, unintentionally creating a magazine, saying, Oh, I want to make a magazine that helps grow the audience and helps grow the variety of audience and authors and creators. And then it, have it be like five white guys and one woman. Um, so, cause it's so mm. easy to just go, going with the best of intentions. But if you're not, you know, like I say, being intentional, he said, tapping his head, mm. you can't see that listener. Um, you might accidentally create something that's not really what you were going for. Hmm. Anyway,
3: Absolutely. I just like I mean, tore on for twenty minutes or whatever, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's like, fine. I, the photo was I really good. We <laughs> interesting.
1: I mean, it's really <laughs> good hearing that you're putting this much thought into all the elements of the magazine. It's not just mm. I've found six randos and I like the stories. You're putting a lot yeah. more than just that into it. And I really like the sound of that personally. I've read many magazines and book sets and things where it's pretty clear people didn't think much beyond I made a thing. Whereas you're already thinking ahead to that. Like, can I expose some readers to some different stuff, some other perspectives that might create, may bring them interesting stories and worlds they'd have never thought of just because they may not have ever thought to look for that type of author. It's so refreshing and interesting to hear you so passionately put that forward.
0: Like I'm keen it's for like- new takes on things or new varieties. I am actually very hyped for this now,
2: which is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> good i'm doing my job all right good good and yeah you know and, and honestly like like i i obviously feel very strongly about it but the, the sort of diversity equity inclusion uh side of it which is also one other aspect of that i will mention. Then i'll move on um is also i'm still wording it because oh, it's careful but i'm going to make a point of putting it in probably in the table of contents or somewhere you know, right up front with the magazine um sort of a statement uh oh god i'm sorry again listen it's early i've just had a big mug of tea i'm trying to get the brain working but like an inclusion statement like... basically just makes it explicitly saying that you know everyone's welcome here except mm. the people who think some humans aren't human because they're less you know whatever it's uh, um, yeah. everyone's welcome and and you might think well why you gotta put that in there you know i brought that up in some circles and some people said well why are you gotta put that in there just focus on the good stories why are you gotta put that in there And and i said well I mean, it can't. It's not the main event. It's not the reason the magazine exists mm. solely. You know, it's. It's. If you want to again go to lazy metaphors, if if the magazine was a restaurant, it's not the big neon sign on top of it saying burgers, right? That's the burgers, the stories, right? <clears throat> That's what gets people to come off the highway, come on in. What it is to me is the little a little sticker by the door saying whatever governing body, because you're Australian, I'm Canadian, and I'm thinking of Americans because Canadians think too much about America. It's uh, so the most promotion, sure, no their own service, but, mm. poster basically. Right right but it's like the little sticker you have by the door that uh, from the you know food and drug association or whatever just saying by the way the the kitchen hasn't got any rats in it like yeah. it's, it's it's safe yeah. in here good stuff come on in you know that's what that's what it is to me and it's an important little sticker to have on there it's not the main event by far but you want to have that little sticker saying hey everybody's welcome here and that's a part of how we do things because the um the cost of choosing wrongly or choosing poorly or choosing naively and going whoops and wandering in not knowing you're going into a place with rats in the kitchen uh, so to speak uh can be really rough on people who aren't mm-hmm. us who aren't you know whites racist boys uh wandering into fan communities right mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it can it can lead to all kinds of trouble for you uh and, and just unpleasant experiences even if it's just going in and reading something uh, really offensive and then going Ugh fuck shit that's not what i came here for uh and going off feeling a bit wobbly because you know that may reminded you of mm. uh unfortunate things you've had to deal with in your day-to-day living so yeah i mean i'm not perfect i i'm I never claim to be perfect i have no doubt i will continue to be learning how to do things better including this side of the magazine as i go forward but uh to me it's it's an it's an important thing but it's just another challenge uh like figuring out layout <laughs> You know, like figuring out the uh, editing uh, relationship with the authors, because I've been a professional, I, you can pay me, listener. you can hire me. I've been a professional <laughs> uh, editor uh, for a while, uh, you know, helping people one on one with their stories, uh, mostly developmental editing, like the story stuff as opposed to copy. Mm. Um, it's not the same. Uh, doing it as an editor of a magazine, working with sort of stable of authors and having to sort of think about how that goes. So that's been a kind of interesting uh, of Discovery as well. And so this is my point, right? Mm. The diversity, equity, inclusion thing, I'll, I'll, I'll get off this in a sec, is, is just another facet. Don't get too in your head about it. Think about it carefully, mm, yeah. the same way that I'm going to be thinking real carefully about layout of the magazine. I want it to look good i want it to be a beautiful mm. object you hold in your hand or tablet whatever um i want the stories to be really good i want to not have uh, come back to what you were saying Seth, a minute ago about thinking about like the variety and some anthologies i think we've all read you know it can be as simple as saying you're talking to the authors uh, before going into the issues and saying okay guys what are your premises before you go off and write several mm. thousand words is yours what's yours oh you're doing a tomb robbing story great okay i'm gonna make sure we don't have like three of those like a potluck pile up mm. right we don't want to get this anthology of all this great variety open up half of its chili uh you know i can't Food, I breakfast? <laughs> um but yeah um you get, you get. So, you, so this is what i mean about being it's the same thing i'm being intentional yeah. about you know what kind of mm. stories in, in that regard i am being intentional about the art you know i want to get a decent variety you know certainly uh, from issue one forward where i will pay people that have a bit more intentionality about uh that aspect um i love old pulp style art i love the covers uh, by and large that you see from the 60s and 70s and early 80s before we get into kind of a tradition that currently is mostly like put a sword on the cover with a fuzzy wuzzy cgi background done uh what i mean i get why that comes about i think it's largely to do with a mixture of um you know i would say ill-advised penny pinching by uh uh, publishers, but also what works well as a little thumbnail on Amazon,
1: right? Think about I mean, that.
0: Think about how the on, things shrunk like, down.
1: Look back to those old, uh like the one I know most is is more that old sort of Conan stuff. Some oh, yeah. of that old Conan artwork, Frank Frazetta. Like, that shit yeah. is just stick it on a wall. It's ready to go. It doesn't even have to be on a book to just be beautiful.
2: Or stick I, it on the I, side of a van, as many people did in the seventies. Yeah. Some people still oh, yes. love that
1: tradition. <laughs> van art.
0: <laughs> oh, I still love the old vans. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, so, I mean, no, they're wonderful.
1: It's it's really great hearing you want to want to put like go back to that sort of like you want that strong, striking art.
2: Ah, oh, give me goosebumps in, in, in part- thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well in part right because it's like here's the thing okay you've got that classic tradition and then you've mm. also got another thing that you see a lot in the sword and sorcery scene right now which has kind of grown out of the role-playing game sort of si- uh, scene mm. sideways like i don't know if you uh already listeners are familiar with the concept of the old osr sort of the old school revolution it was this thing that came about in the early 2000s where people weren't very happy with the then latest edition of D D, and they were like oh let's go back yeah. to the stuff from the late 70s or the 80s and a lot of that had to do with also the visual style of the art, uh, which was far mm. less like computer colored and uh, like perfect sort of photorealistic uh, figures and faces and a lot more just like wild, experimental uh, DIY mm. kind of thing. That also is an aesthetic you will find elsewhere. I, I would say um, mm. the Western Magazine's covers, for example, tend to be in yeah. something in that vein. And I love that. I love that too. Um, and there's elements of both of that uh, in issue zero, and I have no doubt there will continue to be elements of that in issues going forward. But Excellent. what I want to do is—is awesome. is, is, like I said, I don't want to throw anything out. I don't—I just want to do something yeah. new as well and have a mix, mm. right? And oh, so I'm going to have, yeah, and so I'm going to have elements of this for sure. But I also want to really get experimental going forward uh, with the art uh two, and see what different things are out there because by god we live in a golden age of finding interesting art online oh, yeah. and i just say yeah, uh... you know if you ever if you have like one specific aesthetic that your uh, publication is all about more power to you love it again i'm not crapping on anybody i'm just talking about what i want to do uh and mm-hmm. what i want to do with this is is definitely like honor and carry forward and remix the classics but I also yeah. want to do new stuff. I want to try and push new stuff. And so I'm looking at some artists uh, for, you know, future issues. I'm getting very excited about who I might be able to get when I have, you know, what is it called? Money uh, to, to pay people, uh, makes <laughs> things a little can. easier um, and, uh, and I want to really push things coming back around to some of the other stuff I was mentioning. You know, I'm I'm dying. I've got a few people in mind. So, you know, fingers crossed I can get one of them at least. Uh, I'm dying to get more uh, trans authors uh, involved with Sword and Sorcery because I think the outsider hero aspect of it is incredibly ripe for more mm. you know lgbtq plus representation right i mean talk about people who alas you know tend to be on the outside of things that uh, still currently um and i just love the idea of how in so and sorcery stories almost uniformly uh the heroes succeed or protagonists, i should say they're not always heroic uh sometimes they're bastards to be honest and sometimes yeah. they die at the end but anyway uh so again more more variety but um yeah uh they almost always are in a bad place in a way in the big picture of things because of who they are and who people tell them they are. Oh, you're a barbarian. You're a barbarian. You know, of course, the most classic one. And it's like, fuck you. I'm going to succeed because of who I am. Not in spite of it. And I'm going to tell you who I am. You're not going to tell me who I am. You know, this mm. is a real spine of a lot of these stories, a lot of these heroes that even as a guy who's faced no difficulties for his, uh, you know, sort of intersection of demographics and identity. I mean, I'm not rich. That'd be nice. I suppose that's one privilege I don't have. Thanks, to mom and dad could have been rich. Anyway, um, <laughs> but aside from aside from that, I've, I've been playing on easy mode and still I, I find I really identify with that. I really like it. Mm. Perhaps because could be being, being a classic, you know, bullied nerd as a kid, right? Uh, that is our gateway drug for a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, we were all uh, hunted
0: for sport, I'm real kids.
2: <laughs> right, right. And now we've taken over. So here we are. Um, and and so I, I just think, my God, you know, I want to read a trans author, right, a trans sorcery hero, telling people, "Fuck you, I am who I am, and I'm going to succeed because Ooh. of who I am." And I want to get a trans artist in there. I want to do. I, I want. The, I've got one this image I'd love to commission which is like, you know, kind of like a classic Frank Rosetta as the artist you were thinking of, Seth, mm-hmm. um, with the the uh, B. Conan covers that are why, honestly, as much, yeah. they're as responsible as Howard's writing um, and the editors, Lynn Carter and Neil de Camp, who published the Lancer paperbacks in the 60s with that art. Like, that's where... Now, that's why we got the movie. That's why we got uh, the comics. Everything all came out of those paperbacks, uh, in Mm -hmm. a way, Um, and Frizzetta's cover art. Um, I want to do something kind of like one of a classic Frizzetta piece, you know, have a classic, muscular, powerful, dynamically posed uh barbarian uh fellow standing on top of a pile of bodies he's vanquished in his thunder and cloud in the sky and he's reaching up to the gods as if to tell you know challenge them and say fuck you and you see and, and like a lot of sns i mean there's a lot of flesh and a lot of sword and sorcery right a lot of bodies yeah. and not just the women frank Frazetta in particular hated pants you want to see some really ass come. cheeks clapping men women orcs doesn't matter Go to Frank Frizzetta. Anyway, so egalitarian, egalitarianism, right? You can have a bit of sex appeal, just be equal about it, you know? <laughs> you get those orc sheeps clapping, you know, in his Tolkien art. Look at Frank Frizzetta's Tolkien art. It's hilarious, but also very good. Um, and anyway, so you have this figure, bare chested, standing on top of the bodies, and, you know, to the, crying to the skies. And if you look carefully, you know, they've got a lot of different scars because they fight. You know, they, they're like, you know, like when Batman takes off his shirt and you see all the evidence of all his battles. And amongst those scars, you might see. Sort of pictorial scars oh this is a trans man who's had you know the bosoms removed uh, as a part mm. of becoming more you know who they really know they are to be fuck i want mm. to have that anyway god that's just an that example awesome. i mean about like pushing i, pushing I yeah
0: <laughs> didn't realize that's yeah. something i wanted until like you said it out loud like oh no i do want this okay
2: yeah. and this is part of why i'm very excited because i'll tell you just in little chats here and there here and there forums and so on when i start mentioning this shit people go fuck yeah, I want that. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and I think, okay, I'm going to do my best to give it to you. So.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, so I, so we'll I'm, done, up I'm to shut up for a sec. So you can <laughs> we've put up this for, for a, a good 40 minutes now. So, um, is there I'll any other talking. questions? I'll do it. <laughs> Anyone else has got? Swoosh, John.
3: Oh, just like the, you mentioned that before we were talking on here, uh, like you said the sword and sorcery sort of had a bit of a a slump and then a a bit of a rise again through the sixties and seventies. And like, is like for me looking at it, a lot of the, some of that can be associated with like the, the growth of Dungeons and Dragons at the time. And that also helped shape how people's view of the, of the sword and sorcery sort of world. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually there's something called, sorry. uh, Just how, uh, (laughs) people view the world around them and how like the they view the sword and sorcery world. Like myself, when I think about it, I always seem to go back to almost like a a medieval time. Like for me, it was more that time than it was for Conan. And I've related Dungeons and Dragons a lot to that. And so when I think of sword and sorcery, that's almost immediately what I go back to. Um, And just how that's shaped a lot of sort of the, public's view of it i guess yes I absolutely you're right and there's there, a deep
2: yeah. irony there's a Dan. there's a deep irony to that because there's something called the appendix n reading list you will find this list of authors and works in the back of the 1979 advanced Dungeons and dragons game masters uh book if i remember correctly uh give it a google I, i'm sure I'm, I'm getting that slightly wrong and it's a list of authors that gary gygax uh, along with dave aronson right the co-creator of dnd List as his inspiration when coming up with the game. And it is, uh, and there's other people there who are, I wouldn't call sword and sorcery, like good old Tolkien, right? Uh, or Lovecraft, who's a sword and sorcery adjacent with his weird horror. Um, but otherwise, it's just an absolute rogues gallery of all the authors you'd want to read who did sword and Sorcery from the 30s onward. And Conan absolutely is in the mix. But the irony is that in D&D, you get a game, right? A game where there was other stuff mixed in as well. Tolkien, to the point that they called them hobbits. They weren't halflings. That was copyright infringement yeah. that made them switch them to halflings. Um, and then D&D blows up in the early 80s with its extremely codified. Everything has to be very clearly defined. <laughs> view of things, because again, it's game. I'm not, again, not criticizing, but you know, I I play it myself, but you know, um, but yeah, very codified. And so this absolutely, you're right, played into people's view of fantasy right because sword and sorcery is a distinct subgenre and i do not say that as a gatekeeper i say that as someone who understands that you have to draw some lines other because if you don't have any you just have a blank page you've got nothing you've got to define roughly what it is even if the boundaries are very elastic like i say uh, sword and sorcery is its own specific subgenre with its own wonderful history that absolutely got diluted in part i think yeah. because you got dnd that came along blew up shaped how everybody really saw fantasy people started writing novels based on the D stuff you know there was even the first one that was ever commissioned uh oh god what's it called quag keep uh written by andre norton the very first book ever uh listener <laughs> about uh, a bunch of kids are playing dnd and they get sucked into the world oh no adventure so if you want a bit of history go back and read that very first time that was ever done it was commissioned uh, if i remember correctly by guy uh, oh, guys nice. um and andre norton is a great author of sword and Sorcery as well as it's kind of like sister genre sword and planet uh which is kind of like uh john carter of mars you know sort of uh, a lone yep. human winds up on an alien world and it's kind of a weird mix of very um a very alien high tech and like low tech swords and loin cloths and stuff. Anyway, hmm. um, yeah, it got it got highly codified. It made you know everybody's elves look the same, every drawers look the same, where there were slight variations. There's a magic system because there's got to be a rule system in the game, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And and oh, I was growing up, you know, late eighties, early nineties, uh, through that decade into the two thousands. I I was reading. Savage Sword of Conan magazine, which was still being printed then. And that luckily gave me, I I tripped over that and was like, oh, what's this? This is different because I personally bounced off of Tolkien. Later I came back to him and really appreciated the Hobbit, but I really bounced off this highly codified thing where the fantastic is very much explained. Uh, Mm. I really like where the fantastic is fantastic. It's very strange Mm. and weird and and there's no guarantees. And because something worked this way one time, no guarantee it's going to work that way another time. And Reader, if you're thinking, oh, well, that just sounds like the author can do anything. I mean, that's not fair, there's got to be rules. Well, the author can do anything and still make it interesting and not feel it like you've got a bunch of deus ex machinas dropping on your head when you get to the finale. There's a way, like with anything, to do it with skill and to make you feel like you're going into a sort of a re-wondered world, almost. You know, bring back that sense of wonder, which is not just uh, positive, happy things. It can be the wonder of a weird and terrible place. Uh, you know, Clark Ashton Smith, uh, one of the classic fellows, um, did a wonderful job with that incredible world building, uh, but a very different kind of world building. It wasn't an exhaustive encyclopedia. It was more inferring with little glimpses and peaks and uh, drop names without telling you you know precisely what the thing mm. is you know monsters and all that kind of weirdness would tend to be something like you know oh the weird and terrible description anyway you figure it out it wouldn't be like and here's some goblins you know how many hit points they have you know what goblins do <laughs> uh you know mm. i as you can tell from the way i say it uh i've enjoyed the other stuff but I, this is my preference obviously it would have to be why am i yeah, doing yeah. a magazine otherwise um so, yeah, that was the problem, right, is that Sword and you kind of, you know, at the same time that um, the publishing kind of sort of started to come apart because it had become a bit rep- stale and repetitive. A lot of uh, people didn't want to, keep changing and with the times uh, and then we got the the codification of fantasy in D, which ironically was fed into greatly by sword and sorcery and if you go to the appendix and yeah. reading list you'll find all kinds of great stuff there uh, related to it Ooh. and in fact a uh, quick shout out to the appendix and uh book club podcast where they worked their way uh, in the first hundred episodes and now they're going a bit further afield they worked their way through that reading list talking about uh the books in the first half and then the gamification of them in the back half um anyway yeah. the great guys uh so that's Absolutely. my long ass answer. Yes, you're right, Dan. Uh, <laughs> ten points. Um, and so that's partly what I, I think the, the idea of the new edge thing is to try and push back against that by saying, you know, okay, what's the new edge? All right, we're going to sharpen this thing. We're going to knock off the dirt, you know, the old attitudes and the dilution of the term, and say, look, sword and sorcery is a specific thing, but it's a very flexible thing, and it's not redefine it back as and it's, own it's not sub-genre. Lord of the Rings.
0: Sorry, I'll redefine it back as its own subgenre kind of thing because it's. Like subgenres in music, there's rock, there's old rock, there's, you know, new age, that kind of stuff. And we, we're fine with those kinds of, you know, separations. So this should be the same with uh, with writing in the literature.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: It's the same as like going to a bookshop and there's fantasy and sci-fi and that's all you get. And that's mm. like mm. why are fantasy and sci-fi always yeah. link together? They're two very different things. And even within that, you get so yeah. many different variations of fantasy, so many different variations of sci-fi. Like, if you look in every other section of a bookshop, they're all broken down into a little more bracketed sections than just depth. This, yeah. and this. So I'm very looking well. Yeah, forward and funny to it, enough, I come in. This is how it works.
2: Right, right, and funny enough, Dan. I mean, that also comes back to the pulps and all that kind of stuff, with the appendix and reading this because a big part of the fun of reading practically any fantasy in science fiction from before the early 80s ish is um especially going back to those weird magazines and uh, the pulps and stuff in the 30s you'll find that people's uh, lines between fantasy and science fiction are way blurrier it is kind of mm. a one big playground to a lot of authors mm. and you might have something that sounds goofy in summation but like a wizard showing up on a rocket or whatever you know you might have uh like i say sword and planet which as i mentioned is this kind of like step step brother to sword and sorcery that it absolutely blends sci-fi with a kind of antediluvian or ancient you know uh, sort of um Setting seemingly. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, you, again, that flexibility. You know, you know, when you get that feeling, you know, reading it, but flexibility. Whereas now, yeah, we got the, like, you know, mm. lots well, of fantasy over here and uh, sci fi over there. Uh, fantasy is bloody anything with a sword and a wizard in it. Sci fi is anything with a fucking ray gun. I don't care. I'm just trying to sell books. I'm a publisher. I'm a, I'm a book owner, uh, pardon me, a bookstore owner, or whatever. Uh, but then, yeah, as you say, you go to the specialist proper stores, you know, like in Toronto, we've got a great one called Back of Phoenix uh, that have been doing great sci fi and fantasy selling for years. And you get it broken down. You get the, um, you know recommendations of the staff and stuff and it's so much better and then i nice think is online it you have you have to trip over it um you have mm. to promote it maybe on a podcast um <laughs> but uh yeah it's it, we also have the, the the giant bookstore that is the internet um and we can find uh, not only uh, the bookstore cats uh, in great number uh but you can find the, the subgenres and understand how what makes them special and makes them stand out and uh, get to read something a little different than this kind of big mash that we run into in like the big name bookstores
1: Brilliant. yeah well, I think we're gonna need to start uh, bringing things to a close for this recording uh is there anything you'd like to hit right here at the end Oliver you got the spotlight uh-
2: yeah i mean i i just you know like i say i i really want to support uh my fellow you know magazines out there like i said tell while you're waiting for issue zero to come out go look up tales from the magician's skull whetstone magazine uh sorry amateur magazine of sword and sorcery free uh check out old moon quarterly first issue just went up on amazon this morning uh you can get that in epub and soft cover from regretting um so check out those lovely people check out the scene you know whetstone magazine uh honestly so much of the work that went into into the my magazine came out of discussions with people and a uh, lot pretty much all the authors but one uh that are in the thing came from the whetstone tavern discord uh i wasn't really into discord for a while i couldn't quite get figure out how to work it in a way that i liked and then i tripped over this place and i check it like 38 times a day <laughs> <laughs> uh, that has become quickly my favorite place online uh, speaking a positive supportive fan community where you know people who are hateful are not welcome uh and uh, yeah great place to go and chat and get to chat with all kinds of people including the editors of some of these magazines um oh, all three magazines actually and me oh you can talk to me uh, so but yeah there's <laughs> that um, and then otherwise I just really want to hammer home a uh, new edge sword and sorcery By the time this episode is up that website should be working it'll be very simple to Start because it's right now pushing the mailing list so you can be alerted when the magazine comes out. And down the road, if you still want to be, you can always unsubscribe. But down the road, if you want to be, you'll be told about the crowdfunding for issues one and two, which I'm already super pumped for because I'm getting near the end of being done issue one, right? So you're always looking ahead as an editor. <laughs> as um, and uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter, on uh, Instagram. You know, there's a Facebook community called New Edge Store and Sorcery, but that's not the magazines. That's sort of a broad, like, let's discuss this thing in general. Uh, so yeah, yeah good. Yeah, you know, you'll see the magazine discussed there, but that's a more broad, you know, community anything um so yeah hmm. find us on them socials folks uh, easy enough to find. Otherwise, I think the only thing I didn't mention about the magazine is it will be kind of um, R-rated. Now, I don't mean edgelord nonsense. Uh, I mean, again, boundaries. There will be room. So there will be some, uh, you know, heavy-duty gore uh, if the artist chooses to indulge in that. Uh, the one piece mm-hmm. of art I've released actually shows the hero, uh, he wanted to kill this wizard he's dealing with, and so he knocks the guy down um, and rides him like a sled down the side of a mountain and it, like cheese graters him on the side <laughs> of the mountain. Uh, it's wonderful, wonderful art. You uh, already by, had uh, this, but now,
0: you, now we just, we're in completely the...
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, I'm, I, I love a bit of the gonzo, you know, I don't again, variety yeah. of flavors, not every story. But this is a great gonzo moment. When I was reading the first draft, uh you know, for editing, I was like, shit, that's the art. Easy choice. That's got to be the <laughs> illustration. Uh, wizard sledding. <laughs> um And so, so yeah, you'll see that art done by Morgan King, director of an amazing uh, rotoscoped animated sword and sorcery film called Spine Ooh. of Night. Shout out to that. Um, yeah, you'll see that art at newageswordandsorcery.com. Um, and that gives you an idea that, yeah, we're good. If, 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 if the story calls for it, yeah, we're going to have some gore and have a bit of fun with that. If the story calls for it, we might have, you know, not in this issue currently, but in future issues, potentially a bit of romance, a bit of sexy content. Um, but always trying to keep in mind a variety of audiences, not just, you yeah, know, yeah. you, your, are straight men looking at, you know, women's asses or whatever. Cause, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I've done that, but, uh, I don't want it to be the only thing. I want to think about everybody who might be reading. Uh, so a variety of sort of romantic, sexy comment content might be in there and the story might not have any of it. You know, again barioning. So that's kind of the boundaries of the magazine as far as that side of things goes, in case you're thinking about do I want to give this to my kid? Honestly, I saw all that stuff in magazines by the time I was twelve and I I, think I turned out okay yeah. but of course that's up to any given parent to make their own judgment call so yeah otherwise uh yeah epub soft cover hard cover issue zero free soft and hard uh cover i'm sorry epub's free uh soft and hard cover at cost very few dollars we'll figure it out in by september gonna be out sometime in september but please sign up on the mailing list especially because the size of the mailing list i'll speed the editor uh, behind the scenes stuff. The size of the mailing list plays a very big role in deciding whether or not we end up crowdfunding issues one and two. So please sign up for that if you want to sh- say I'm interested and tell your friends to sign up for it. All right, I could talk forever, as you know. But there we go. <laughs>
1: well, thank you very much for coming on to the the show with us tonight, Oliver. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think that's it for us for this this little bonus episode. Uh, you all Pretty have so a good end up with one out three there. People on your mailing list. <laughs> yeah definitely yeah please I, do uh,
2: put that link in the show notes he said
1: badgering the oh, people we were, who have very we're, kindly helping him oh, but-
3: <laughs> as long as we have oh, all of your links we've we can, and it uh, will
1: go in the show notes of the main episode for this week as well do not worry about thanks, that yeah. if i wasn't excited about this just from talking you before this recording i'm doubly so now
0: <laughs> yeah no, we're definitely in and we hope to have you back at some point soon
2: I would love to. And thank you so much for uh, having me on. giving me this chance to tell the people what's up. And uh, to the people, why would I want to do that? To you, individual, dear listener, not an amorphous blob, thank you for listening to me talk about this. And I hope you check out the magazine.
1: And you All too, right. you amorphous Y'all have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one.
2: Yeah, the gelatinous cube audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a big audience. It just keeps on growing. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs>